Thank you for joining XR Own, which is India's first AR VR focus podcast. And today I'm delighted to have with me Shubhra Kathuria, who's a futurist solving for the human needs and leads the metaverse and Web3 services at EY Wave Space. So, Shubhra, really appreciate you taking time being part of the podcast. Why don't we start with a small brief introduction? Hi, Yeti. Hello, everyone. Listening to this podcast, I'm Shubhra Kathuria, and I lead metaverse and Web3 innovation services at EY. I've had the pleasure to work with several brands, I would say over 100 brands in helping them understand the why and what of these technologies, and more importantly, helping them envision the art of the possible for their industry, right? The different use cases and how they can be leveraged for their respective industry. So excited to be here today and looking forward to our discussion. The internet, it uh, came into existence because of Tim Berners-Lee and the internet was the web 1.0 was very static. Web 2.0 is dynamic, interactive, and it's the current world that we live in. But it, it seems like we're going to be transitioning into uh, Web 3.0. So it would be great if you could start with explaining what is Web3 and how it's going to help business and society? Absolutely. So I think you obviously gave a really good definition here, Eddie, about Web1 or being static, Web2 or read write, uh, especially with companies like Facebook, where we as users, we were able to not just read the information, but also add our information, add our images, and interact and engage with others. Web3.0 is read write own where we're not just able to read, write, but also own our assets in the digital world. And those assets could also be in the physical world, but are well represented in the digital world. So at the heart of it, that's what it is. Where I think it needs to have a broader definition is in the fact that this is a paradigm shift, a shift away from central powerhouses or authorities towards individuals and communities and empowering them, um, have, helping us individuals have better control of our data, of our assets, of our creations, and then also bringing in transparency into the transactions and the different systems that exist across the world. So at the heart of it, it is about bringing decentralized networks and empowering them and bringing them to bear. Right, so read, write, and own. That own part, how do we get there? Because, you know, so far, like you said, uh, the entire web tool, the current way the business functions, all stop, it's top down, hierarchical, and we, the users, are, are the product. You know, we, we are being uh, manipulated. How, how does that change? Because, I mean, the world runs in a capitalistic, top down, hierarchical approach. Every single business that we know of at this point in time, businesses, institutions, organizations, government, functions in a centralized hierarchical way. Could you elaborate on decentralization and transparency How, how and, and this uh, owning the web? How, how do we get there? Yeah, great question. So I would say you're absolutely right that hierarchical centralization type of approach has been there for years. And at the same time, even before Web3 started, you know, the whole concept of owning something on the internet started, what started to change was the whole idea of co-creation, collaboration, and coming together as communities. We've, we've been seeing this happening for last several years now. Um, at least with, with the rise of innovation in several companies and innovation com business units, propagating that approach and theory across the organization. 
So we've started to see a lot of bottoms up innovation. What that really means is organizations paying close attention to the next generation, whether it's millennials, Gen Z, and really hearing them and empowering them to come up with new ideas, to test and prototype things, launch them in the market. And I think that is a paradigm that started to happen. Web3 is enabling that. It is making that, it is bringing that to bear through the use of formal technologies that to my earlier point about transparency helps bring it to bear in front of the user, right? With the help of these technologies, you can see, okay, who contributed to this idea? How many people actually vote positive for this idea? And so the decision-making now can be spread across versus be in the hands of a couple of key decision-makers at the top. Right. So this this leads us to the change. You know, how do, how do we get into the changing, this paradigm? How do we change mindsets? Because like, I mean, the businesses function in a top-down hierarchical. Is there a, like an idea in your head or or some foresight on how this change could happen because you I, I was going through the website and you mentioned something about the lego mindset the learner entrepreneurial growth and one team it, it, i mean maybe uh, elaborate on the 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 lego mindset as well as the change how do how does web 2 transition to web 3 yeah fantastic question and you did definitely have some keen eyes that you noticed the lego mindset so it's a uh... It's a term coined by me, especially with a lot of the work that I'm doing with my own organization. So I am working for a large consulting firm, EY, and and, and we as business consultants, we are, we are very much helping our clients move to the next generation of technologies and business models. So really at the core of what I want to do is help my clients think about how do you rapidly innovate and how do you really operate like a startup, right? Because yes, you've been large organizations for, for a while, but at the same time, because you're large, it's hard to shift and move and test and try these new technologies. And that is where the, the whole idea of working as a startup came up, which is how do you really build this, these mini startups in large organizations where people can come up with their own ideas, they can uh, brainstorm, they can test, prototype, and Lego mindset is at the heart of making that happen, really. So it is really, how, how can you be curious, a learner, so you're learning rapidly from the environment? How can you be entrepreneurial in nature? How can you have a growth mindset as well as a one-team mindset? So I think these are some, of, again, some of the things that we are seeing and learning from a lot of startups. And we are helping our organizations, large organization, EY, and even other organizations operate in that same capacity. Now, all of these principles very much and straight away apply to Web3. The reason they do that is because Web3 is a lot about that bottoms up approach, is a lot about people coming up, collaborating with each other and being entrepreneurial in nature and building those mini, mini startups or DAOs, as we call them in Web 3.0, right? Decentralized autonomous organizations to continue to lead that innovation forward, whether it is uh, within an organization or with whether it is in the broader markets and ecosystems. Metaverse. Now we are transitioning from a 2D interface to a, a 3D world. Would you be able to uh, elaborate what Metaverse is and how it's going to help business and society? I think you obviously 
summarized it really well by saying that it's it's a 2D world that we have been living in for some time, and now it's the evolution into the 3D world. So yes, at the heart of it, Metaverse is about 3D. It's about how do we live our life in much more three-dimensional form. And the way I like to uh, elaborate on this evolution is that if we think about years ago, maybe back in before 90s, the life was primarily physical in nature. For example, we had to go to a retail store, we would walk into the store. We have to, let's say, go to office, we would walk into that office, right? And then came digital. And with digital, a lot of things evolved where companies and retail stores and education systems and various other institutions, they didn't just have a physical presence, but they also started to have a digital storefront or digital presence. So if I needed more information about a company, I could go to his website and understand that more. Or I needed to purchase something, I could go to the e-commerce store and buy it. With the metaverse, what's really happening now is that physical and digital are really coming together. They are starting to blend where a little bit of physical is starting to come into our digital life, where we can walk into those let's say the retail store in a digital format versus the actual physical store. Or there's a little bit of digital that's coming into a physical life where you know, through augmented reality, we can overlay any digital element into our physical spaces. So really it's the VR, AR and metaverse worlds that are really bringing these technologies to bear and implementing these physical digital uh, experiences for uh, all of us. Right. Uh, would you be able to share some of your works, you know, in in the Web three space as well as the metaverse space? Uh, you know, maybe some examples of how you help companies. Yeah, absolutely. So, the way I like to think about, especially let's say we'll start with metaverse, is that every company has to engage with different stakeholders or personas, and some of the biggest ones for a company include their customers, their employees, their partners, or operators. And so metaverse can be very, very effectively leveraged to help companies create better engagement models with their customers, employees, and partners. And in that regard, I have been helping several of my clients, Fortune 500 firms, in creating the relevant use cases for these categories. So it, it spins from, let's say, customer and seeing how can you better engage your customer in the metaverse? A case in point here is uh, I'm very actively working with telecom firms in, in foreseeing the future of customer support. If you think about customer support, it's a big pain point, especially here in US, right? We as customers, when we call a contact center, it is generally a very tedious process. You call in, you're pretty much there for one hour on the phone, you get shifted from one customer rep to the next, but you still don't get your problem or query resolved. And so I'm working very closely with some of the leading telecom firms in helping them envision the art of the possible, which is how can your customer support be very engaging and meaningful for your end customers when you have it in the metaverse, where you can actually walk up to your problem aisle and go talk to a customer rep, where you could even have non-fair characters or generated AI which can be the bots that are that that you're engaging with as customer support in those worlds. So a whole different set of experience. 
Employees is another category. Um, I personally am leveraging that very actively for my own use case. Uh, my team is geographically distributed. So our big pain point is how do we really bond together and connect as a team? And that's where we've created our own virtual shared office space in the metaverse. And we log in there every day, stay there throughout the day, just like we would do with a physical office. So that space we've been using for two years and it has been game changing as, as just the team members who can connect and bond together as a community now. And then there's, of course, partners and operators as a use case, where, again, we're helping large beauty product firm envision how they can launch new beauty products by collaborating with their retailers, with their sales teams in one metaverse, where all of this can be done with limited travel involved and also better engagement with their end partners and operators. So a lot of interesting action that's happening in this area. Anything in the Web2 space? Very, very much on similar lines, especially at the intersection of Metaverse and Web3, which is how do you really leverage NFTs to drive loyalty with your customers, right? So uh, things like creating, uh, we're working very closely with a, a beer company in helping them foresee the use of Metaverse and NFTs. So right from creating, let's say, a brewery in the Metaverse, to rewarding the customers who are coming into the metaverse, leveraging the NFTs, to even token gating those environments by having exclusive access to those spaces, leveraging NFTs. So I think of Web3, um, especially because I'm, I'm working more at the forefront, which is uh, the front end or uh, metaverse. I think of Web3 as an enabler of transactions and uh, assets in those immersive 3D worlds. Lovely. How cool is this? I mean, you know, I think in another few years, we'll be transitioning into this virtual world where the all different parts of the world, which didn't have access to, you know, like good healthcare or good education, now they will also get enabled and empowered. You know, so instead of like, for example, instead of us going to the school, the school will come to us. Instead of us going to the healthcare, the healthcare will come to us. So, so we are in this transition where we we are creating this virtual world where we'll be able to simulate all of those, uh, you know, physical things, you know, bring it onto the virtual world. You mentioned about customer support. You mentioned about virtual office. And I think the transition that's that's kind of been accelerated post covid you know there's more and more companies which are uh, actually leveraging even uh, you know uh, online uh, versus you know hybrid also and with the metaverse i think we'll be able to possibly in the next few years when we go from very carrying technology to wearing technology we'll be possibly seeing or uh, or co-workers sitting next to us in uh, holograms. And you also mentioned about uh, all of this is converging. You spoke about NPCs. Uh, you, you spoke about uh, meta, Web3O being the underlying economical uh, layer of, of the, meta, uh, the metaverse. What is it that's still blocking these enterprises? Because I still don't see mass adoption of uh, Web3O and, and Metaverse. What, according to you, are, are, are the, the blockers and which, which you think if we, if we go overcome, there'll be more adoption of this technology? What are some of the challenges? The first challenge I would say is education and understanding, right? So a lot of these firms are individuals. They 
are wanting to understand what are these technologies? Why do they matter? What are the relevant use cases? Even just experiencing them like a classic myth when it comes to the metaverse is that a lot of people think they need a VR headset to access the metaverse. And that has been a big blocker because a lot of people think, hey, there's no way I can wear a headset for more than 20, 30 minutes. So I don't know why metaverse is going to be such a big thing. So really, really kind of breaking that myth and helping our clients, for example, understand that, hey, you can access these metaverse worlds even through your Chrome browser or through your apps has been, has been almost like an aha moment for many of them. So it's, it's, it's one education. The second aspect that has been a bit of a blocker here, again, because of the timing and phase of this industry is the, the privacy, security, legal aspects of these solutions. Like a lot of the things that we assume would be present in a solution, um, for example, data privacy, right? That that's embedded into these solutions. I would say those are all still very early and platforms are building those into the way they operate and the way they deliver the service, but they may not be 100% there. And so, for example, like EY itself, when we are working with our partners uh, of tech platform providers, we go through an extensive, almost like an eight months to, to an year cycle of evaluating all of these parameters. Hey, does this meet our data policies? Does it meet our privacy policies and many other such security policies? And and we are very much at that starting, I wouldn't say starting point, we are, we are pretty much at the midpoint with many of those companies. And it is going to take some time by the time these companies have the right things built into their systems. The third aspect here is um, internet connectivity and accessibility in general, right? So a lot of these, uh, uh, especially when I think about metaverse, these platforms need a very good internet connection. And that may not be available everywhere. And that may not be available on every device, right? Like you may not be able to access these worlds as effectively on your phone or your iPad, and you may still be able to do it on your laptop. So a lot of the consistency still has to come into play in order to make it seamless. Like I said, I have my office in the metaverse, but if I have a meeting in the morning and I'm driving my son to school at that time, I cannot have that meeting in the metaverse, then I have to have it on Teams or, or any other conference uh, provider. And lastly, I would say just the user experience and user interface, uh, especially when I think about Web3 solutions, there is still a long way to go to make them user-friendly and help drive adoption of these technologies. Right, yeah, exciting, uh, exciting things happening. My son's in the metaverse for school. Uh, I work completely remotely. My team is completely distributed all, all around the world. So I, I think in the next few years, and there's so many pros, you know, you, 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 you uh, that you, you your your carbon footprint is is, is being reduced you know, because you're not stepping out not go I, it's i'm not saying that you shouldn't be stepping out but i, I mean there, there these are the you know benefits of, of you know the the virtual world any advice to companies who would want to leverage or get into metaverse and web3 absolutely i think just like any technology Companies have to get comfortable with the new technologies that are coming in. And that could include any, whether it's Metaverse, Web3, and the different parts of Web3, DAOs, NFTs, and tokens, or whether it's generative AI and many other technologies that are continuing to hit the market. Companies have to get comfortable with each of those. 
And at the end of the day, companies have to be very uh, aware of the of the key trends that are shaping the world, right? They, like you said, sustainability, um, like Gen Z and their needs and aspirations. So there are a lot of macro trends that companies have to keep a good watch of. And then it comes down to identifying how are those trends going to shape the world? And then where do these technologies play a role, right? Like if, if we are seeing these Gen Z hanging out in the metaverse world so frequently, then is there an opportunity for us to engage with them in, in places where they are, right? So companies have to keep a watch out for those and then start to see how do each of their processes, functions have to start modifying in order to, to meet up where customers are. Now, uh, to make that happen, the best way is to experiment. So, so some of these technologies, yes, they may be early in their phases, but they're out there. The competitors are already playing with them. They're already launching those early experiments. And so that's been our advice to almost every company where we see there are good, sound business use cases possible that, hey, it's best to experiment with this. Put little money. It doesn't have to be extensive, but go in, get your hands dirty, experiment, see what works, what doesn't work. And at the same time, don't do these things just to make money of them, right? Like a lot of companies created NFTs just to just to grab those initial dollars. Well, that's not helpful. What you have to think about is the long term and how you can continue to meet your customers or your employees or your partners uh, in the long term with the right technologies. Right. Uh, now, India, uh, you know, the, the software... Uh, devs are growing. I mean, you know, it, it, it's not just in the metaverse space, but also the Web3 Web space. What are your views on that? Are you also, is EY space leveraging talent from uh, India? So India continues to amaze me. I would say I was, uh, India is also my home country. So I was also there like just about a month ago. And every time I go to India, I feel the progress rate there is amazing. They, the, the the talent pool is certainly amazing, as you said, engineers, developers, designers, creators. At the same time, there is a huge, huge push and, and hunger towards being an entrepreneur. And there is a lot of VC money that's also coming in. So there are certainly a lot of interesting startups that are coming in there, growing there. And I would see... I, I hope to see a lot of innovation in this space as well, coming in from India directly. In terms of EY leveraging the talent, yes, we have a full team that's based in India that we work very closely with on a lot of our projects, which are being run across the world. And not just that, I think India as an economy is also going to leverage these technologies very extensively. So even like our own India teams, they are working closely with our Indian clients on seeing, on seeing how best to use these technologies. I mean, especially if you think about metaverse, right? One of the biggest challenges in physical world is how do you bring so many people together in one space? And India has large population. And this is where virtual worlds, metaverse, they help you bring that large population into the metaverse. I, I mean, I was just thinking about a case in point here, like a lot of people like to see the big celebrities, whether it's Shah Rukh Khan or the Lair Mandy and others, and they would go and congregate around their homes. But what if that opportunity could be created where the celebrities could go meet the large population through the metaverse? So there's plenty of opportunities that can be developed just within India itself. 
how do you think metaverse and web3 are going to look like in the next 10 years and and maybe uh you know give a pitch on why enterprise should get into metaverse and web3 now yeah absolutely so i almost think about metaverse revolution similar to the digital revolution that happened like 10 12 years ago where a lot of companies were initially listening about digital and they were like oh that's not going to happen that's not going to happen and then all of a sudden they saw a lot of interesting use cases and then they started to feel hey they should start investing their dollars in digital revolution as well and so they started to build their digital strategy and now there are so many digital products out in the market almost like every company has its digital presence i think 10 years from now it's going to be similar which is every company will have a metaverse strategy and a metaverse presence they just the way they have a digital storefront right now they will have a metaverse storefront and they will continue to leverage metaverse to better engage with their community as much as possible the second key thing uh that's likely to happen in future is that we all as individual users and customers we will be using digital wallets more and more where we will be storing our our assets our uh, receipts and rewards and coupons from different brands and organizations and this is where it's going to be the share of wallet playing a key role which means you as a brand are you really appearing in your customers true digital wallet you know and it's not just the physical wallet now it's about the digital wallet are you showing up there and so those are the things that companies need to start paying attention to right now and see how they how can they start to engage with customers in these new ways um uh, and also how how can they build communities and co-create with their customers that's going to be at the heart of the next 10 years lovely shubha really appreciate you taking time and being part of the podcast i think we're sitting in exciting uh point of time and there is obviously just just a week back there was this article which said metaverse is dead and you know uh, that's very weird because we got uh you know 20 million headsets already sold of oculus uh, vr headset then tim sweeney of epic tweeted that metaverse is dead then how come we've got 60 million uh mmaus you know so yes i think all the signs and signals are showing especially the gen z you know they are quickly transitioning to the digital world you know my son who's 8 years old is he's he has a digital avatar he spends most of his time on on, on the computer he's he's a gamer and i think enterprise need to take cognizance look at that that there is this transition gen z are moving to the digital world and that's where where all the business all the money is going to be so i i hope the the even the enterprise the big brands get to know that there is a serious opportunity and transition moving on to the metaverse so exciting times and really appreciate you taking time and being part of the podcast to my listeners if you like what you see in here then please press the subscribe button and until next time see you guys bye bye thank you thank you shubha really appreciate this thank you ali great connecting with you